we've been uh, talking about healthy, strong, the importance of being healthy and being strong as leaders. And um, it's, uh, we've had a, just a, a precious couple of days just hearing stories and testimonies of what God has done in our life. And, you know, I think for all of us, so often when we go through things, we don't have a language for it. But when we come out the other side, if we can put a language to what we went through, we can actually offer it as a gift to somebody else. And this uh, whole weekend of being healthy, strong, has just been so rich for me personally, just hearing stories and different speakers come and just share their story and the things that they've learned from it. And I want to do that a little bit more this morning rather than change turn. I want to talk about the heart. So everyone say heart. heart. And uh, I want to talk about the life of David. I'm going to call this the journey. Everyone say the journey. And uh, I, for Life Church St. Charles, and I think I was here a couple of weeks ago and I talked a bit about David, um, but I've never preached this message before like this, and uh, it's really come out of this weekend and just being on a journey. And there's seven steps to the journey that David went on that I want to glean and lift out of this particular passage of Scripture today. Um, but I just want you to know that as every leader that's in this room has gone through each one of these steps... At some point in their life, they've had to face one of these things or all of these things that David faced. So if you can turn in your Bibles to First uh, uh, Samuel, I think it's First Samuel, uh, chapter 16. Now, you know this story well. This is the story where a man named Samuel, who was a prophet, shows up to Jesse's house to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. And this, we're going to just jump straight into this first verse. And in, in, so 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 6, and he says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, which is the eldest brother, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not, everyone say do not, yeah. consider his appearance or his height, I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. For man looks at the outward appearance, appearance, but God looks at the heart. Everybody say heart. heart. So many, it's so interesting if you think the prophet has come and he's looking for a man of war. He's looking for a man whose God has anointed as king. And God says, do not look at the outward appearance. For I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is the heart. And if you hear nothing else today, I want you to know that God is interested in your heart. He's interested in what is really going on in here. Here's the first step, and I'm going to go through them, because just even from listening to the prophetic words today, I think God wants to restore some stuff. He wants to touch some lives today. He wants to bring stuff back. I love Sarah's story, and I think some of you feel like my dreams are in the toilet. My life is in the toilet. I've lost something precious. It's in the toilet, and God and only God has an ability to say, here it is. Like, how did that happen? It's a miracle. And we need to trust and believe and look to the God of miracles. Amen. So the first thing, if we can put these up as we go, the first step that David faces right here in these scripture, in these, in these verses is rejection. Everyone say rejection. There's so much in the story, and I know many of you have heard the story of David and the story of David and Goliath. It's such a powerful story, but what I love about the word is the word is alive. 
It's living and it's active. Even this morning, I'm sitting by the fire and I'm opening. I'm thinking, this is amazing. I've never seen that before. I've never, I must have read it a hundred times, but I've never seen. It's alive. It's living and it's active. And when we come together, we need to get in the word so that the word can get into us. Because it's the word that changes not cute stories or jokes. Not three points in a poem, not a TED talk. It's the word of God that is living and it's active and it never, ever, ever returns void. Amen. So the first thing here, and this is maybe hard to see, but if you think about it, that Jesse, David's dad, brings his sons and he says to Samuel the prophet, here they are. And they stand before him. Can you imagine those boys dressed as best that they could possibly be? looking like warriors, trying to look like kings. And God says, I'm not interested in the outward appearance. I'm interested in the heart. What? Could someone have told us? We've been bodybuilding. We've been tanning. We've been flexing. We've been working out. We've been practicing. You could have told us that God's not interested in that. God says, no, there must be somebody else. And they said, Jesse, and you can always, I'm taking some liberties here today, okay? But you can almost see Jesse as like, this is all of them, but except for Dave. Like, Dave? Who's Dave? Well, he's different. He's kind of, he's our red-headed son. I have two red-headed sons, okay? If you have red hair, this is good. He was good-looking, fine, ruddy, handsome. And Dave's out there playing the harp. Dave's out there looking after sheep. And Samuel the prophet says, I will not sit down until he gets here. That's quite a powerful thing. Imagine if you're one of the brothers. What, Dave? Dad, why do you tell him about Dave? Obviously not David. Samuel the prophet says, I will not stand until he gets here. So David walks in. But the first point, the first step on this journey that David goes through is he has to right there face rejection. He's not even there. He's not even invited to the party. He's not even considered. Now, I personally believe that probably it was because David was born out of wedlock. In the Psalms, it says, in sin, my mother conceived me. In iniquity, I was born. There's some reason why David wasn't invited. David was obviously different. But God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. He says, I want you to go and get David. I want you to go and get him. And I want you to bring him here. And Samuel anoints him right there and then. He pours a horn of oil over him. And he anoints David as king. Awesome. Powerful. And then the most odd, strange things happen. David goes straight back from there to look after sheep. The next step on this journey of sonship, this next step on this journey of becoming healthy, strong, is to learn to live in isolation. Everybody say isolation. The second step on David's journey was isolation. Now David's back knowing, I can't believe what just happened. I just got anointed. God said, I'm the man. I actually feel the anointing. Wait, why am I watching sheep? Wait, how come if I'm the one that got anointed and my brother's now going off to war? Why do I have to go back to look after sheep? 
But you know, God has an amazing ability to do more behind our backs than in front of us. More below the surface than on top. More that we can't see than we can see. More is going on in a dark room. Do you remember the way they used to develop photographs? They would take a negative and put it in a dark room and close the door. And then after a while, that picture would begin to develop. And I want to encourage you this morning that if you, are, if you have dreams in your heart, if you have promises in your heart, you know that you're anointed to do something, but you don't understand the season you're in and you feel like, I've been rejected. You feel like, I've been isolated. That God is doing a lot more behind your back than he is in front of you. See, setbacks are often very cleverly disguised as setups by God. Because God is wanting to train you. And it was in that isolation where he's playing the harp and writing psalms. And he's learning to kill the lion and he's learning to kill the bear with his sling and his stone. God is training him in isolation. He's training him behind closed doors. He's he's training him when he was born into rejection. He was born into the family, rejected. And you know, if we don't understand how to deal with rejection, then what happens is we start to reject everybody else. Have you ever met somebody that's so prickly? It's like, whoa, you try and love them and they reject you. But the reason they reject you is because I'd rather, I don't want to be rejected. So I'm going to reject you before you reject me. And we become prickly and standoffish and we put our guards up. But I want to say to you, there's a journey of, of development. See, God is more interested in developing us than delivering us. And it's so often in times of rejection and times of isolation that we say, God, take me out. He says, I'm not taking you out. I'm leaving you in. And we're in a dark room and God is developing a picture, which, by the way, has already been taken. He'd already been anointed. It was already set. It was already decided. But he went from the place of anointing into isolation. What am I doing with this bunch of sheep? But as you'll see as this journey goes on, David somehow was able to center himself. And just because we go through a step or a season of rejection or isolation, we don't have to stay there. It's just a step. Life is a series of steps. The steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Steps. Everyone say steps. Steps. So there's the step of rejection. There's the step of isolation. And then there is the step, number three, of limitation. Everyone say limitation. Limitation. Just to go back to number two, you've got a verse. It says this in verse 19. Then Saul sent a messenger to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. Send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. This was just after he'd been anointed. So we know that David went back to looking after sheep. Number three, limitation. Everyone say limitation. limitation. Now, then Saul sends a message to Jesse. And he says, Jesse, I would like your son. I would like your son, David, because I've heard about him. I'd like him, to, I'd like him to come. And so Jesse, David's dad, says, hey, Dave, come here. Come back from the sheep. And he says this. Here's some cheese and crackers. Here's some pizza. I want you to take this to your brothers. I want you to take this to Saul. I want you to go right now. And so this is what happens, right? Here in verse 20, chapter 17, it says, Early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up and set out just as Jesse directed him. You know, it's an amazing thing to have fathers in our life that have... 
that, we're, that, that will speak into our lives, pastors in our lives, people to speak into our lives who will give us directions and we can do just as we're asked to do. But if you look at the backdrop to that, David could be crippled by rejection. He could be crippled by isolation. And now he's in a place of limitation. I'm allowed out the sheep, but I'm doing it to serve. I'm allowed to come away from the sheep pen. And now I'm allowed to go and have a little peek at what's happening on the battlefield. But I've got to serve. I'm not being given a sword. I'm not being given anything other than some cheese and crackers. This is my job. Let me ask you, in the churches you're at, if God has anointed you to do something, if he's put seeds of destiny in your heart, if he's promised you things in the quiet place, are you willing to serve in the children's nursery? Are you willing to serve on the doors and say welcome? Are you willing to go out in the rain and serve in the car park and help people get out of their cars? In a place where you feel limited, you feel restricted, you feel, I don't know what's going on, but I've been asked to serve. Everyone say serve. The third step in David's journey from being a shepherd boy to a giant killer, as we all know, is he faced rejection. He faced isolation. He faced limitation. And number four, he, say he faced accusation. Everyone say accusation. accusation. You know, I believe in today that some of these different steps are going to speak to different people in different ways. But some of you know what it's like to be accused. You know what it's like to be falsely accused. You know what it's like to be judged and misjudged. For people to say things to you or about you to other people. You think, that's just not true. David faced that. It was a step in his journey to becoming healthy and healthy strong. He had to go through the step of accusation. Everyone say, accusation one more time. Verse 28, chapter 17, then Eliab. Do you remember it was Eliab, David's elder, eldest brother, who was the first in line when the prophet came. And he says, when he saw Eliab, David's eldest brother, he said, no, it's not him. Huh. So do you think that maybe the eldest brother who should be the one that gets everything? Do you think there's a reason why he's a little bit ticked off? But God says, everyone say, God says. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I'm after a heart man. I'm after the heart. So here we are, David rocks up, he's got his cheese and crackers, he's been in a place of rejection, isolation, but he's gone through those steps. He's been in a place of limitation, and he's feeling limited, but now, but now, he arrives at the battle lines, he arrives to see his brothers, and the first thing he faces is accusation. Listen to this, in verse 28, it says, Then Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, and he burned with anger, and he asked them, Why have you come down here? Listen carefully to this. Why have you come down, to, down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep? Ever felt like someone's just condescending you? You know inside of you, you have a promise. You know inside of you, you have an anointing. You know inside of you that God has spoken to you. But everybody else, you would like a little bit of respect, but not at all. And instead, you've already faced rejection and isolation and limitation. And now you're faced with accusation. His face burns and he says, who did you leave those few sheep in the desert? And then watch this, watch this. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. The very thing that God is looking for is the heart and the enemy. That's the very thing the enemy accuses him. I've never seen that before until just right now. <laughs> the very thing. The very thing. 
that the enemy will accuse you of. The, the accuser will come. And trust me, it doesn't just come straight from the enemy. It comes from people. Now, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. Sometimes we need to know that is not the voice of the Lord, even though it's my best friend. That is not the voice of the Lord, even though it's someone in the church. That's why getting healthy strong, we need to be careful what we say. Because the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Be careful that you don't put uh, ungodly vows and put words on people. That's why we have inner healing today to get people healthy strong because people need the removal of lies to reveal the truth. That's not what God thinks about you. Oh, but we have perceptions build up that are lies. So here, Eliab, the oldest brother, who felt he should have been the one is the very one attacking the very thing that God is attracted to, which is the heart. You, I know. You are conceited. I know if the, what's really going on. The only reason, checking his motive, you came down here to watch the battle. <clears throat> I love David's response. Typical, I have three boys. Typical youngest child. Now what have I done? <laughs> now what have I done, David says. Can't I even speak? Then he turned. Oh. Then he turned. Then he turned and he talked to somebody else. <laughs> I love that. Listen, there are times in our life when you know your heart is soft and your heart is right. And you hear the, the accuser of the brethren. And it can come in many forms. You need to turn and talk to somebody else. You need to protect your heart above all things. Guard your heart. Why? Because it's from the heart that the issues of life turn. You know, there were turning points in David's life constantly. Turning point, turning point, turning point, turning point, turning point. There was a turning point in the cave of Adullam. There was a turning point at Ziklag. In fact, Ziklag means turning point. It was the place that David turned. I don't have time to go on that rabbit trail, but there, I believe for some of you today, this is a place of turning. It's a place. It's a, t- it's a time. I'm going to change your mind. You know the word repentance means to change your mind. We hear it now as a threat. Repent! But it actually means I changed my mind. I was going that way, and now I'm not going to go that way anymore. Change. Accusation. It was a place of act- accusation. He turned and he talked to someone else. Number five. Number five. The fifth step was a, was a step of manipulation. Everyone say manipulation. Yes. For every person. And you know, into different degrees, we are all leaders. Because leader, leadership, by definition, is influence. I'm not talking about the gift of leadership. I'm talking we are all called to be people of influence. And I want you to know, some people camp out on one of these steps. And they never move on. But life is a series of steps. The path of the righteous is ordered by the Lord. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. They're steps. Life is a series of steps. Some people stay on a step and they move furniture onto there and think this is where I'm going to live. But the journey to becoming healthy strong is we have to go from one step to the next because we're going from faith to faith and we're going from glory to glory and there's so much more. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Come on. Manipulation. Everyone say manipulation. Manipulation. Verse 38. Let's read it together. Then Saul dressed. Watch this. So, okay, just to go through the story a bit. So David is there and 
And David asks this question. He says, this, this is the question he asked. He says, can't I even speak to his elder brother Eliab, who's bitter and angry? Can I even speak? And he turned and talked to somebody else. And David asked this question, hey, what will the person get for this guy over there who's shouting and yelling at God's people? All these murderous threats. And here's three things you're going to get. Number one, you get to marry the king's daughter. Number two, you never have to pay taxes again. And number three, you get to live in the king's palace. Wow, what a sweet deal. So this little guy, Dave, who's been playing the harp, who's been gone through rejection and isolation and manipulation and limitation and accusation, now standing here and he's asking this question. And he's like, sweet, I'll do that. So Saul says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. So David rocks up and he stands there. And David, if you read the text, it says Saul looked at him up and down. And he said, what do you do? And David goes, I used to keep sheep. Dave, you were looking after sheep in the morning. That's like saying to an alcoholic or an alcoholic saying, hey man, I'm totally, I haven't, I haven't had a drink. I said, that's awesome. How long has it been? This morning. <laughs> that turning point was pretty powerful in David's life. Yes. I used to keep sheep, but now I'm a giant killer. So Saul's like, huh. Now watch this. If you read the story, it says the Holy Spirit had now left Saul and an evil spirit had entered him. For the sake of time, I don't have time to read this whole passage, but it's so full. And if you read it, you'll get a whole bunch of other stuff that you'll get to glean out of here. But this one I find particularly interesting because manipulation is evil. And like pride, pride either pities or promotes itself, but either way it's about self. Pride has so many heads, and so does manipulation. I hate manipulation. I hate anyone hate being manipulated. It's not godly. It's wicked. It's evil. Okay, so manipulation. Then Saul dressed David in his own, everyone say own, tunic. And he put his coat of armor on him, his bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over his tunic and and tried to walking around. Because he tried walking around, but he could not because he was not used to it. Because he was not used to it. Because he was not used to it. David was not used to this. It wasn't David. This isn't me. I'm a shepherd boy. Watch this. If we're not careful, this is what manipulation can do, but it can be very subtle. It's leaders that try and make clones of themselves. I want you to be like me. Because if I can make you like me, then I'll get all the glory. Here, use my sword. Here, use my helmet. My, my helmet, my, my armor. Go and kill the Goliath. Hey, Saul, why don't you go and kill Goliath? I don't know. I'm just giving you an opportunity. <laughs> it's just wrong. But there's so many things in here that I love. And one of the things I love is, again, you see David's heart. Everyone say heart. He's willing to do it. He's willing to do it. He's willing to say, I'll try it. And then he's also willing, he's honest enough to say, I'm not used to it. Would it be okay? If I was just myself, would it be okay if I just used a few stones? Would it be okay if I used the things that I come naturally to me that I learnt on the step of isolation? Would it be okay if I used the things that I use when I kill the lion and a bear? I'm not really used to your shiny sword and your shiny suit, but I do know how to use an old sling and an old stone. 
Would it be okay if I did that? You know, the opposite then is true. If you're not manipulating, then your heart is, that's awesome. You know, a couple of months ago, I was in Bath, and somebody in this room asked me if, uh, if I had any uh, notes for doing a, a wedding. I was like, oh, yeah, I've done lots of weddings. I love weddings. I said, oh, could you help me? And so I said, sure. So I went through the notes. and Hey, do this. This is a great introduction. You've got to do this. Make sure you do These vows are excellent. Do that. And, uh, and then this is a great joke right here. Everybody laughs. It's really funny. And then this is a great transition. And then you go to this. And then you do this. And then you do this. And then it's a killer ending. And then, boom, you stand up. and say, but authority, power vested in me. I now pronounce your husband wife. Awesome. It's great. Really powerful. Thanks, man. Cool. Well, it just happened. I was free that morning, so I snuck into the back of the wedding. And I was watching the wedding, and then I saw this person stand up that I'd showed how to do this wedding. I'm like, this is going to be great. He's going to do that thing. He did absolutely not one single thing that I told him to do. Not one. No transition. Not the same vows. Not the same jokes. Like nothing. He just stood up, and he was himself. I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. After I got over my pride, like, no credit due here. So thanks, Josh. You did an awesome job, man. <laughs> Manipulation is demonic. When you're on, you will go through a step of manipulation. When you go on a journey from looking after sheep and serving in your dad's house, to cutting off the head of a giant. Number, I'm nearly done, don't clap yet. Number six, number six is the step. I'm trying, I'm getting there. Give me a bit more. It's like the Oscar music. Like, all right, okay. Okay, number six, intimidation. Everyone say intimidation. Intimidation. The next step that we face on the journey to becoming healthy, strong is the step of intimidation. Intimidation is right here in our text. If you can turn there together, it's um, in verse 43. And it says this. This is what the enemy, this is what Goliath says to David. He looked at David over and saw he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come here with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by the gods. He said, come here. He said, for I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine. Before I read this, I just want you to know that each one of us has to face the step of intimidation. Some of you here today, we're going to pray today that intimidation, that you will learn to stand in the face of intimidation. And say, I will not be intimidated by you. For some of you, it could be parents. It could be teachers. It could be an ungodly authority in your life. But the first thing I want to say this is it wasn't a reaction through David's life. He listened to Saul. He was willing to submit. I'll try it. But in his heart, he thought, that's not me. I just need to be me. He went through the steps. And he's here in a place of intimidation. When Sarah stood up today and she gave that prophetic word that we need to believe that I'm the God of miracles. And then Derek came and said, I'm the God of, what was it? 
of everything. Wow, God is saying, hey, I'm massive. I'm able. But you know, so often we want to, we, we hear the stories of miracles that God does through others. And then there's a resistance, even sometimes from other Christians. Miracles, really. Can I say, leaders, do not be intimidated. Don't. You're on a journey to being healthy and strong. Even when you go through rejection and isolation and accusation and limitation, keep going through the steps because God has a destiny for you. Even And remember the times that, that he spoke to you and gave you that promise. David steps forward on this last step. Having gone through these steps and he stands before the head of the demonic. The figurehead, nine feet tall, above everybody else. And having gone through those steps, he stands on the stage, on the plate of validation. Everyone say validation. And as he stands there, this young boy, knowing the anointing that he has, knowing what God has said, knowing his own brothers have taunted him, he's been minimalized and marginalized, and he stood here on this day where nobody else would dare stand against this authority, this head, this figurehead that was defying the armies of the living God. And David stands there. And he said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. And this day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. Head in the scripture is a place of authority. Headship started in the, in the garden with the river Euphrates and it formed four headwaters. Christ is the head of man and man is the, is the head of woman. Headship is a biblical thing, but it's a place of empowerment, but it is a place of authority. It's often what we do with that authority that we get messed up. Jesus is the head of his church, his bride, and he said to his bride as her head come up here sweetheart sit with me Ephesians chapter 2 and let's rule and reign together so headship is a place of authority it's also a place of empowerment and I want to end today with this it's such a powerful picture and again one of those things that is perhaps a little unhidden in the text but it's found in Matthew chapter 8 Verse 18, and it says this, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no one, nowhere to lay his head. Watch this. He's not talking about a bed. He's not talking about a house. He's not talking about a pillow. We know that because if you read the context, they just showed up one of the disciples' houses in that passage. Jesus could have stayed there. No, he's talking about authority. The Son of Man has nowhere to rest his authority. Can I ask you this morning as we close on this journey of becoming healthy, strong, are you the kind of person where Jesus can rest his head? 
Are you the kind of person where Jesus can rest his authority? Are you the kind of person where Jesus can say, I can lay what I have on you because you have gone through the step of rejection. You faced rejection from birth. And then you were faced with the step of isolation. You went through the step of limitation and accusation. You've gone through each one of these steps, David, until in your own right against all odds, you stood knowing that I had anointed you in a place of validation. And you took off the head. You took off the authority of the evil one. And that day, a giant fell. And as soon as that giant fell, the armies that were defying the armies of the living God, the Philistines dispersed. Their ranks went back because the head had been cut off. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head of his church. Jesus is the authority in the church. And he wants to rest it on his church. He wants to rest it on his people. He wants to rest it on you. He wants to rest it on me. So if you can, just close your eyes for a moment. Just put your hands up ready to receive. Some of you just need to, if you lift up your hands, just it's a place of surrender, you know. And every nation on earth putting hands up, or lifting hands out is a sign of surrender. God, this morning we just surrender to you. We surrender our journey to you. We surrender our dreams to you. We surrender our anointing to you. We send, surrender our disappointments. We surrender every step that seems like it was there to set us back. And God, we recognize that you use those steps to actually set us up. That what the enemy intended for evil, you actually intended for our good. I ask that each one of us today, God, who faced rejection, who faced isolation, limitation, accusation, manipulation, intimidation. Today, wherever we are, wherever we are on our journey, that we will continue to step up to the next step and 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 the next step until we stand as sons and we stand as daughters the step of validation where we can say with your authority the head of the church rests on me therefore your head is coming off Lord I should just bless every church represented every pastor here as we heard yesterday about entering his rest Lord, I just release that right here in this room. Rest, rest. I thank you for grace. Church, I just want to say to you, I'm not going to ask you to just race up to the step of validation. 
because steps are steps. Some of you need to stay on those steps. Some of those steps God's actually got you on and you've got to stay there until you deal with that rejection, until you deal with the isolation and you can do it quick because God could do more in your life in two seconds than you can do in 20 years. But life is a series of steps. Let's stand together.